chosen a really positive message for this morning. Yes? I tried really hard. What positive uh, lesson should I bring this morning? And this passage, when we read it, you'll see that uh, it doesn't appear to be particularly uplifting or edifying or helpful. But I want to take it because I I believe actually that this message about dying to self and living to Christ is the most positive and helpful message that I could bring at the brink of this year, this new year. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you would turn there with me. I think all of us are familiar with verse 7. And I'm going to read down to verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Now this is, uh, it's not the easiest passage, I suppose, that I could have gone to. There are certain uh, ideas here and things here that I think uh, need to be expounded and explained carefully. I do want to, at the beginning, point out that when he talks about, in verse 10 the life of Jesus being manifested in our body and then the life of Jesus being manifested in our mortal flesh in verses 10 and 11 there, that he's dealing with uh, these bodies, these um, unsaved shells that we live in. Because Jesus, if we've received him as our saviour, He's saved our souls, but he hasn't saved our bodies yet. These are still the old, uh, you know, the the old lemons that uh, we had before we were Christians, before we received Jesus. And we're not going to have the new model, the glorified model, until Jesus returns or until we go to be with him. So we, we have to live this life in a kind of in-between world where our souls have been saved, but then we've got bodies and then we've got the five senses connected to the body uh, that are constantly in communication with a fallen world. And then we have, of course, the remnants of our sin nature working overtime in us to try to get us away from God, get us away from his word, away from prayer, away from the spiritual life, and to be uh, overtaken by 
self and the things that we want to do. Remember that uh, I've said many times, our default settings, even if we're a Christian, our default setting when we wake up in the morning is independence from God. Independence from God. We have to want to turn to God and, and to uh, depend on him, to trust him every day that we're given in this life. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish the Christian life was much easier than that. That once you're saved, you, you are raised to this spiritual level, okay, where everything is so easy and you just want to uh, fly to God and you want to praise Him and you want to uh, trust Him implicitly and you want to just give everything over to Him and you rejoice in Him and you worship Him. But that is not the reality that we live in. Christianity and the Christian life takes constant faith. And faith is not, as I say, it's not believing on something that's not there. I wouldn't get up here. I wouldn't devote my life. I wouldn't uh, do all of the education that I've done just to bring you a message as silly as that. I wouldn't want to recommend it to you and I wouldn't want to recommend it to myself. Faith is not believing something that's not there. Faith is believing in someone who is there. Faith is depending upon God. That's what it is. Depending upon God. And when I wake up in the morning, and when I start my day, I do not start my day depending upon God. I have got to go to God and start right. And then I have to find myself keep keeping having to go back to God to depend on him and to trust him. It's just the way that it is. That's the reality that we are faced with. Now, if we're going to do that, we need to say no to ourselves. We have to say no to that side of us that constantly wants to depend on ourselves and do our own thing. We have to die to self. And that's what this passage is all about. And when we do that, then Christ, through his spirit, can work in us. He can... Um, he can bring his life into our life. He can give us that purpose, that light, that help that we need for today. So, verse 7 begins by saying that we have treasure, but this treasure is in earthen vessels. It's great that if you're a Christian, if you have trusted that Jesus has died on the cross for your sins and you are fully invested in the fact that you cannot do anything to add to um, anything that Christ has done for you, that your whole chance of heaven, your whole chance of forgiveness is based 
upon what Jesus has done, not upon anything that you have done or will do. If you have understood that and you are trusting in that, then the Holy Spirit is within you. You have become a new creature in Jesus Christ and God treasures that. You have, therefore, treasure but in these earthen vessels, these jars of clay, these bodies, okay? Treasure, though, nonetheless. And don't forget that. And and even with a person who has not trusted Jesus as their Savior, they uh, what they have in, within them is not treasure as far as a new creature in Christ, a born-again person, but they are implicitly worth a great deal because they are made in the image and likeness of God. So every human being is worthwhile. Every human being is important. Christian worldview does not treat people like chattel. It doesn't matter what you are, where on the income scale you are, in which country you live, you have been made in the image and likeness of God and you are worth a great deal. This is why Jesus died for you. But Paul says here in verse 7 that we have this treasure in earthen vessels here in this fallen world. Why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. It's not like God, when we're saved, he gives us a new motor. You know, he takes out the four-in line that we were running with and he puts a big V12 in us. And all of a sudden we've got more power, more ability, more uh, intellect, more insight, more wisdom. More, more, more. No. God doesn't do that. God wants us to rely upon him in our weakness. It's that weakness that we don't like. It's that weakness that I don't like. I want to have the answers. I want to be to have the wherewithal to sort everything out. But God has left me without that. And he's left you without that. For anything that really matters in this life. So yes, you may have some skills that God has given you. You may have some abilities of intellect or uh, practical craftsman abilities. These are great things. But the things that really matter, the things that God cares about, You don't have any ability at all, I'm afraid. You have to die to yourself. You have to go to God for that help. So Paul begins by pointing to our weakness, and I begin this new year by pointing to our weakness. It would be... Um, false teaching and it would be sinful of me actually 
to give you one of these messages that make you feel empowered about yourself. Make you feel good about yourself. So that when you go out of the doors, your reflection is all about you and not about God. I know that's what I want and I know that's what you want. That's not what God wants. God wants us to see our weakness so that when we leave here and in the circumstances that cross our paths in this coming week, we go to God. We think about him. We don't think, we don't retire to ourselves and think, oh, how am I going to deal with this? What can I do? How am I going to face up to this? We go instead to God. What does God want me to do in this situation? How is God going to be with me in this? What does he require that I do? How does he want me to respond to this temptation, to this uh, irritation and frustration, to this pain? And that brings us to the second point. The reality of suffering. Oh yes, it's, this is going to be a really positive message this morning. But folks, this is what the Christian life is. The Christian life is not the avoidance of the reality of suffering. That's what Buddhism does. That's what Hinduism does. It pretends that suffering isn't really there. And that if we If we kind of pull away from that by submerging ourselves in the one and neglecting the reality that's out there, then suffering somehow goes away. Of course, it doesn't. And that if you've visited those countries where those uh, beliefs hold sway, you will see there's a great deal of suffering because if you believe that suffering is just a... um, a dream, just an idea that's out there, it's not real, well, you're not going to help anybody, are you, who is suffering? Christianity, though, says that suffering is part and parcel of the life that we live here, whether we're Christians or whether we're not Christians. Paul In Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, and I go here quite a lot in uh, Sunday school, or have done recently, and uh, it's a passage that's worth thinking about. Paul says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to, do you want to finish it off for me? To suffer for his sake. What? What's that? That's not positive. It's been granted for Christ's sake that I suffer for him? I don't want that. No, thank you very much. Grant me something different. Grant me something more positive. In fact, let's just lop off the end of that verse and just keep it to the first part of the verse because that makes me feel better. I'm afraid that suffering is part and parcel of what we have to deal with in this life as Christians. 
Christianity is not a crutch, folks. Not properly understood. Nobody takes upon themselves a crutch of suffering, but Christianity is a life that involves suffering for Christ's sake. Now, what that means is that the the circumstances that you go through, the circumstances that seem to come out of nowhere and hit you and seem to be completely arbitrary are not arbitrary, not from God's point of view. All of them are allowed to come to you because God has permitted them, which means that they have worth, they have value, as difficult as they may be, as troubling as they may be to you. And it's how we respond to that trial, to that suffering, that makes all of the difference. Can you avoid bad times? Can you avoid difficulties in your life? No, you can't. So how are you going to face them in this new year? Are you going to grit your teeth and just get through it by depending on yourself? Or are you going to see that there is meaning and purpose in this, however difficult it might be, and that if you turn to God, he will go go with you through that difficulty, through that trial. That's what he wants you to do. So your life may be going swimmingly right now. It might be going great, and praise God. But you know that's not going to last. Your life right at the moment might be in the doldrums or headed there. Well, be of good cheer. Even in the midst of trouble, and sorrow and pain, God is working. God places a value on all of the troubles and difficulties that you go through, particularly when you choose him in the midst of those trials. Nothing is forgotten by him. If you turn to him and you'd lean on him and, you, and uh, you trust him even when you don't understand and how many times do we not understand then he notes that and you'll be rewarded for that sometimes in this life but most certainly in the next life but we can't avoid the reality of suffering listen to this that Paul says we are hard pressed on every side We are perplexed, persecuted, struck down. That doesn't sound very positive. He mustn't be living the victorious Christian life. He must be out of fellowship with God. He must be backslidden to have all of these things come upon him. No, not at all. He understands that this is part and parcel of what God has for him as an apostle. And so faith answers these these difficulties by saying, we are not crushed, not in despair, not forsaken. 
not destroyed. Yes, the reality of the trouble is there and it's faced. But the victory is also there because we're trusting or he's trusting in God through all of his trials. And you can trust in God for all of your trials, for whatever meets you, whatever meets me in this coming year. So what is needed? What's the great ingredient then that is needed in order for us to be like Paul and say, yes, we're hard pressed. We kind of crushed in like this with nowhere to move by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Yet not perplexed. What is it that allows him to have this note of uh, appreciation and praise to God? We find it in verses 10 and 11. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now what does that mean? It means that when we choose, in the midst of our circumstances, whatever they may be, when we choose to say no to ourself, no to our sin nature, no to the things that we know God doesn't want us to do, no to our own independence, and we choose to be dependent on God, utterly dependent on him, which means that we have to deny ourselves, yes? That's when God can really work in us. That's when we actually are on the road to victory. This is what used to be called the mortification, big word, the mortification of sin. That is, putting self and self-interest to death. saying, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. That's very easy to do in circumstances when we're not being irritated or troubled or dismayed. But what if we are being dismayed? What if things are irritating us and troubling us? What about those real situations? See, that's when we have to say, no, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to say that word that's kind of brewing in my head here, that mean word, because this person's been mean to me. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to allow God to have his way, and I am not going to defend myself or stick up for myself in this situation. I'm going to humble myself. That takes death to self, self self-denial. And it's not easy. In fact, if you are being independent of God, it's impossible. It's only possible if you are depending on the Lord.
And that's what this is all about. What we're doing here, what this place exists for, is to try and get us all to depend on the Lord and not on ourselves. Jesus Christ denied himself in order to come to earth. He denied himself in order to be a carpenter and not a king. He denied himself to be wrongly accused and scourged. He denied himself and allowed himself to be crucified. None of that was pleasant at all. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But there was a resurrection. There was a victory. And what Paul is saying here when he says that we're always carrying about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus is that in in a sense there is in a Christian life a recapitulation of Jesus' Uh, life of trial and difficulty and of his crucifixion in the trials of our lives. We meet this particular temptation, this particular trouble, this particular uh, issue. And we have to die to ourselves in it and depend on God. God, you're going to bring me through this. I don't know how to get through this. This seems bleak to me. I don't understand what's going on. But I'm going to trust you that you are in control. I'm going to depend on you, Lord. And you go, God brings you through it, and there is, lo and behold, a resurrection. You get through it. Now, sometimes, sometimes, That situation, that trial, that issue, that suffering can last a long time. It can be a persistent uh, physical ailment. Think of Johnny Erickson Tata, for example, in the wheelchair for 50 years plus. It can be something like that. It can be um, a situation at work where you've got... A, a terrible boss for years and years. It can be a, a, a situation in home. It can be something else that maybe you can name right now because you're going through it and you've had to go through it for a, quite a while now. And the answer is always the same. Die to self. Don't be tempted to say, this is not fair. This is wrong. This is... Finish the sentence. Because that's putting you in the middle of it. You've got to die to self. And you've got to say, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. Help me to go through this. Give me the grace that I need for today. To go through this. I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you have to do it. You have to deal with things every day. 
The question is, are you going to deal with these things in God's strength or in your own? You have to die to self. Let's turn uh, to one passage in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 28. I want to show you an example of this. Jeremiah chapter 28. Nearly done here. I love this chapter because here's the prophet of God, Jeremiah, and he has prophesied what God told him to do, and all he's gotten for his troubles is suffering and misunderstanding and hatred. And then there's this false prophet called Hananiah who's preaching all of this positive message. And everybody loves Hananiah. Everybody thinks he's great. He's the most popular preacher in town. Jeremiah, well, he never prophesies anything decent. And so the king, Zedekiah, he calls in... uh, Jeremiah, and he says, uh, okay, so what should we do? The Babylonians are coming. What should we do? And, ba- and Jeremiah says, well, this is what the Lord says. You need to go out and surrender to the Babylonians. Give yourselves up. Don't fight. Well, that's not a very positive message, is it? So Hananiah comes in, and Hananiah says, no, I'm going to break the bonds of, of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to beat them. We're going to defeat them. It's a very positive message. And uh, Jeremiah is embarrassed. In fact, we read here, verse 10, Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and broke it. Jeremiah had made a yoke and said, you need to put yourselves under the yoke of the king of Babylon. Hananiah broke that, embarrassed Jeremiah completely. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people saying, thus says the Lord, even so I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. Hooray! Hooray! And what did Jeremiah, the true prophet, do? Jeremiah went his way. Jeremiah did not defend himself. Jeremiah didn't say, well, Lord, this isn't fair. They're not listening to me. Jeremiah did what God wanted him to do and trusted in God for the outcome. He just went his way. He died to self. Don't you think he was embarrassed? Don't you think that uh, it hurt? The unfairness, the injustice of it all, of course it did. But he died to self. Verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 4 says, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in us. 
You see, you cannot have the life of Jesus in you if you will not die to yourself. If you will not humble yourself. If you want what you want, then God can't have what he wants in you. You have to choose. But in order to have a truly spiritual life, in order to have a life that pleases God, you've got to get out of the way. This year. And that surely is what you want, isn't it? You know, get out of the driver's seat and get in the back seat and let God drive this year, 2024. You think he's going to make a bigger mess of it than you have? Can you actually trust him? Not that you'll understand everything that's going on. Not that he's going to answer every question, but can you trust him with your life? Yes, you can. And you will find that just as what Paul says here in verse 12, this will happen to you. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Let death work in you. Die, dying to yourself. Dying to your program, your plans. So that Christ's life can work in you. <laughs> okay? It's a simple message. And it actually is the most positive message I could bring. Because there will be so much, you'll be so much more content, so much more at peace, so much more unconcerned about the different things that you can't do anything about if you just give it to God. This is the reality. You can't escape it. But you can give it over to God. As Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that we would indeed learn to die to self and know Lord this is something we need to do every day help us Lord to put ourselves on the altar help us to be willing to have our minds transformed by your truth every day help us to trust you even in our perplexity and whatever our situation situation may be Lord right now or uh, in this coming year Lord, help us just to turn to you and give it all to you and just trust that you've got it. In that way, Lord, we're glorifying you as God. We're confessing our weakness and your strength. And we are, Lord, not carrying a burden that we were never meant to carry in the first place. I pray, Heavenly Father, for each person here that you would bless them this new year that you would show yourself faithful and strong in their behalf. In our Savior's name, amen.